What up, Fatherhoods Nation? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. They've got ill creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all that. You can make a little paper from your podcast too with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child. This is KGB. What up, it's DJ EFN. Hola, my name is Manny Digero. Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. There it is. <laughs> Hola, gentlemen. What's good? What's going on, man? Chilling, man. Just enjoying life, man. Today, thank you for uh, helping me cruise through my day and not have to be stressed about having to come at a certain time because the uh, parent-teacher conferences were kicking my ass today. You know, man, you you, you peak in the audio, man. Oh, that's good. No, that's not good. <laughs> 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 that, there you go. All that right. Might be better. Yeah, you're good. Este, have, have you had any of the... Wow, I'm still peaking. Maybe just peaking. don't... Maybe not so close to the... Maybe just don't talk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me shut the fuck up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there it goes. Uh, you're. Have you been in the father, father, <laughs> in the uh, parent teacher shit yet? Yeah, I did. Um, we they actually had them in preschool, and uh, I did them last year in kindergarten. But not so far this year. I'm saying. No, not yet. I mean, we just started with um, first grade. Just started like maybe a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we so today let's see, my, my son got um by the way, all that me. all that noise in the background is my my noise. <laughs> it's just nice. yeah. mad, so what, mad he, kids over here right now. Oh, you got play dates going on? Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's dope. It's good good fatherhood sound effects. Right. That's good. Just I, I my favorite part is when they break some shit and then the the shatter noise. That's my favorite. Yeah. I love when everything uh, everything is out of the the drawers and everything's just strewn all over the place once everyone leaves. That's <laughs> like crazy. Wait, let, let's talk about that for a second. How do you handle that? Because we approach it, we we hold our kids completely responsible. We're like, yo, y'all fuck some shit up, like your friends do it. It's all on you to figure it out afterward. Like, what do you guys do at your house? Yeah, he's he's supposed to because they. He basically they want to pull out everything and start looking at all the stuff and playing with everything. So toys. Right? Yeah, yeah. So he's um fucked up if that's your drawers. Yeah. <laughs> he's responsible for cleaning up and whether or not his friends help him, that's on him to to figure it out. Okay. So right. um you know, we've told him that sometimes he'll the friends will leave and there's still stuff laying around and it's like all right dude you got to go clean it up you go well such and such did, didn't want to help uh, it's not our problem you know he, <laughs> does he get tight or does he like right, uh, a little bit but then he understands you know he knows at the end of the day if he wants another get together then 
he better clean it up. So how, how long how long did it take before you you got him on that vibe of picking up after himself? It's still a work in progress. I mean. Th- th- there's constant reminders. I mean, even like when he comes in from school, takes his shoes off, drops his bag, you know, he might be wanting to just go run and do something. And, you know, he's left his shit on the floor and, you know, we have to remind him, all right, come pick it up, you know. So it's definitely a constant reminder of this is what you're responsible for. I don't know how long so that lasts, but. My daughter's too young to, to, to do that. <laughs> right now I'm trying, like, her whole thing is like she has she has these blocks and, and all these like Lego type things, and she'll open the thing or the box, and she'll just spill it all out. Yeah, play with it all over the living room area, and then you know when she goes to sleep, whether it's the midday nap, then me or my girl pick it all up, put it all away, clean up her area. Then she wakes up from the midday nap, comes down all over again. Right. And then you know at nighttime when she goes to sleep, we pick it all up. <laughs> but I'm always like, I'm always like, no, 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 pick it up. Do that. Sometimes she pretends to listen, like, but I think she thinks it's like a game to right, put right. things back into like a box or a bag or something. Probably can't hurt to just start as young as possible to get them into that concept, whether or not they understand it or not. You know, so the way we. I think we did this. I could be making this shit up, but the way we like try to approach it was with a game at first, like with the first kid, it was like, you kind of go through the motions with them, putting the stuff where it belongs and kind of showing them the path for a few times. And then, then you start to lay, become more serious. I think for us, I think the breakthrough age, the training stage was like late twos, early threes. When we started to like, all right, you made this mess. You got to go pick it up. And they'll do some of it. They ne- they wouldn't necessarily pick it all up, but they would do some. And then I'd say four by four, they're like on their own. It's like, yo, you fucked it up. You got to make sure you make it right or else there's repercussions. And so I say four. I say start late twos if you can. But then by four, they should probably be on their way to making holding themselves accountable for it. Do you do you have the, all their stuff contained in their own areas, or do you, or is it basically there's pockets around the house that has? Because that's how we. I mean, he's got a room and he's got his stuff in his room, but he's also got, you know, we have, and we have limited space, so we have to use like some of our cabinets and stuff in the living room for his stuff as well. So it's like he's got, you know, a bunch of areas to. Make a mess in if he, if he wants to. Yeah, I mean one one of the, so we're fortunate enough to have space, right? Like I have a basement, we have a family room and a di- uh, living room. So, but we didn't we wanted visibility because um, usually it's like the two younger kids that are playing in like a play area, right? So we wanted to have them in a level of the house where we're constantly in and out of. So the living room was the easiest place for that. But the living room tends to be one of the more formal areas in, you know, traditionally in a home. Like it's where the nice furniture tends to live. And, you know, in the old days, it's like where the couches had all the plastic and nobody sat on the shit. Yeah. It was right. like just for decoration almost. So the way we flipped it on in our house, we took the living room, the formal living room, and then we did put together like the nice furniture, the comfy area for adults to kick it if they wanted to. But we kind of split it in half. So if you're looking into the living room from like the foyer, for instance, you see 
the niceness of a living room like you're used to. But the second half that's not necessarily easy to see, that's their play area. So it looks it's actually interesting that we had somebody help us design it because we weren't sure what the hell we were doing. And the lady was like, yeah, you can make it you can kind of make it work its way into a kid area and like have furniture that hides stuff for you. So they know like, you know, a cushion lifts up and there's like a storage bin for them to put stuff mm-hmm. away. So we we well, might have a transformer fucking furniture <laughs> living area. Exactly. So so it worked out well and that's where all of their stuff is. Outside of their room where they have a couple of little things, that's kind of the bulk of all the toys and stuff. Do you let them close doors? Ooh, this is a good one. Um like stay behind closed doors, you mean? Like be in a room and if a friend comes over or even if it's them playing, do you let them close a door and be private? Because I know that growing up, I couldn't do that. Nah. At older age. <laughs> nah. They'll get un chancletazo if they try to play that game. Um, what, what we try, what I wish they would do is close the door when they go to sleep. Like for that, so that any noise that we make doesn't necessarily wake them up. My youngest, three-year-old, she asks us to close her door every night. The mm-hmm. other two are afraid to, the older two. So that's the only instance. Otherwise, no, nah, we have open-door policy all around the house, even ourselves. Like, we don't close our door either. Yeah, same here. Yeah, we're not closing doors. Yo, wait, hold on. Now that we're talking about this, I, I just remember what happened to me two nights ago. So we, um, we all go to bed at a decent time. And I don't know, it must have been like 3.30 in the morning. Our house alarm goes off. Our burglar alarm goes off, right? I jump, you know, you're deep sleep. Yeah. So I jump out of my bed and I'm making as much noise as I possibly can racing down the stairs to take somebody's head off. I have no weapons. It's just me bolting down the stairs looking for somebody to kill, right? Kung Fu Kenny. Right. <laughs> so as I'm racing down the stairs, I'm like, yo, that's not smart, B. Like, you just abandoned your entire family upstairs and now you're you're armed unarmed and you're chasing somebody that potentially is armed if there is somebody in your house. But I'm like, I'm not thinking about that. I'm like, if I make as much noise as I can, I probably sound scarier than the person coming in. That's my that's my logic. So I'm racing through the house. My wife is like securing the kids and then she comes down eventually and then we're looking through all the nooks and crannies of the house. And then I realize our back door was never locked. So what happens is the, there was a wind happening. Mm. It was a breezy evening or, or morning and our exterior door I have two doors. One that's like an out, outside facing one and then an inside facing one for the back. The outside one has gaps so the wind can come through it. And then it pushed open the, the interior door. And that's what set off the alarm. So, I, you know, I turn off the alarm. The, the alarm people call, whatever. I deal with that shit. And then I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I'm recounting my steps. And, and then I'm thinking, like, yo, that was the dumbest possible shit you probably could do. You didn't start with the fact you left the door open as the dumbest shit you could possibly do. <laughs> that was stupid. That was dumb. That was yeah, that for sure. Yeah, because you but, practically opened the door for the motherfucker if he did yeah, come. Exactly. I left the wide open. I mean, 
shit doesn't necessarily have it out here, but you can you never know, oh, right? Okay. <laughs> but but I'm thinking I'm like, <laughs> forest. Nah, that's what, like, yo. If, it's funny because I'm always looking at it from the other side. I'm like, yo, that's the place I would go to catch Vicks because that they're not expecting shit to happen. Right. But um, so I'm thinking I'm retracing my steps and I'm like, yo, we have to have like a plan so that in case something like this happens, they can be safe and secure and there's like an exit strategy or something so they can get away from the situation. While I do the dumb shit that I did or figure out how to resolve it from the inside. And so that got me thinking. So we, we actually have like an emergency ladder for fires and stuff in case there's a fire that we can then set outside the window and like people can climb down and whatnot. So I'm, I'm kind of in the process of figuring out the plan so that we can like kind of have like drills in the crib in the event of some shit like that. Cause I was like, as I'm replaying it, I'm like, I did the, two or three dumbest things I could possibly do putting people in jeopardy, not just myself, but like the remainder of the family. So wait, your plan is to have a, a big ass ladder that you're going to what place in front of a window for the rest of your time living there. No, 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 no. That's for the fire we, for, for a fire, right? right? It's, it's a fire. It's like a rolling. But, uh, yeah. A yeah. Rolling okay. But what does this have to do with this, this situation? I don't understand well, how this, the fire ladder this, helps you in this situation. They, if again, Depending on the severity of the situation, they could have escaped the house through that ladder and ran to the neighbor's house. But that means the ladder would have to be set up there already. Well, the way it's set up is inside the house. So oh, the ladder's inside the house? Right. You open oh. the window and it rolls out. It's oh, not like... Oh, okay. oh, it's like oh, one of those rolled, rolled up joints. Oh, okay. Right. Nice. Got you. Okay. No, it wouldn't be like on the fucking window. Like, <laughs> hey, come, like, come on, come on up a here. Steel, a steel freaking joint that you just have there chilling. Yeah, come on up. <laughs> the window's Fires open. On that side of the house, that you're scarred. Yo, Romeo, come through, son. Come through the window. Um, nah. that's smart though. Yeah, to have a action plan. Yeah, man. I mean, it takes stupid, stupid shit like that. To, I, I guess I could look at it as a saving grace because I probably wouldn't be thinking about it if that event didn't occur. Never mind you, the horrible rest of the day because I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. So it was like I was on edge the whole fucking day. Let, no patience. Let me let me go back to the door real quick because because I I want to talk about the door closing with your older daughter. Does now when she has friends over. And, you know, when she starts getting even older and she starts, I don't know, does she ask, like, hey, can I close my door when my friends are here? Or does she just knows it's not an option? Or will it ever be an option? I, I can't say that it won't ever be an option because we've been going, being more lenient to things that we thought we would never entertain. Mm-hmm. Right. So I wouldn't say no, but it, she's never asked. And I cannot, rec- outside of, yeah, just normal shit. Like, if she's changing, obviously, she'll close her door. But she has people over. I've, we've ne- She's never asked, and it's never happened. Because we've, we've set that ground rule r- really early. Like, the little ones, they try to play that game and, like, close the door. Right. And we'll shut, and then we kick the bitch in, and we're like, don't fucking ever. And then they get panicked, and they're like, no, nah, we're, not, we're not playing that game. E, are you, are you and your lady on the same wavelength with the doors as well? Have you, is that something you even thought of? I, I mean, for when I, your daughter's talked older? about it, but I think I think we're both on that. I mean, I know that I was raised, even though it didn't really work. Um, 
you know, you couldn't have the door closed, especially if you had like a chick over or something like that. Right. Um, but I remember I was always closing my door and catching beef and stuff. But yeah, no, nah, that that that's like a thing. Like, yeah, you don't you don't close your door and because yeah, I think we're on the same page. I is that is she- that? Did you grow up that way too, Kay? Like, was that like a thing in your household? Um, is that a is that a Latin thing? <laughs> right. I don't remember it. I don't remember at least in younger years thinking about it. I know when I was older, I would close my door, but I also my growing up scenario was a little odd just because like there are lots of times where um you know my my mom i get back from school um she's not there she's working and then she also did nighttime work as well so there'd be times where lots of times where she's working at night as well mm-hmm. so it wasn't like you know it's just me by myself so if i want to close he, yeah well, if i want to close the door I, I was so used to just kind of being on my own regardless so the whole I can't trust you or the door being closed, door being open, didn't play a whole lot into it because, I, you know, I, I was probably doing and acting way more, I guess, mature than a lot of kids who didn't, you know, who weren't left to themselves a lot. And and that's kind of like how it was for me, too, because my mom would work late, too, but she would try to pull it every so often. But I'd be like, come on, guy, you're not, you know, not <laughs> and yeah. I remember one, one summer my grandma came from L.A., and my mom had gone out of the she went on vacation so i don't know where she went but she wasn't around for the, some summer time and and then you know i was like doing my thing i was going in my room i would have like some friends after school you, you know some chicks usually and then i would after they would come we'd hang out and then they leave and then i and then my grandma would usually be cooking during the day you know latin grandmothers or whatever boom and then i and then right after i'd i'd go eat and she went back to la telling everybody this that got out eric He's in there doing sex in the room and then comes out hungry. And he... <laughs> Work, worked up an appetite. <laughs> He's doing the sexy time over there. <laughs> yo, isn't that funny, yo? She was talking, spreading mad rumors about me out there in LA. She was, she was giving you a rep. You go to California, your cousins be like, stay away from my cousin. I heard he be he animal in there. I know. I know. Growing up, for my wife, she wasn't allowed. They weren't allowed to close doors in their household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not. We don't play that. The um, the other. Well, sorry. Back backtracking a bit. So, like, um, you you guys will see this. You don't have middle school age children yet, but so we went to the parent teacher conference today for my teen preteen almost teenager. And the way that the the school is set, so like it was a two hour affair, so we had to go to it was basically they broke it up into periods, so you go first period, second period, etc. And the teachers kind of roll through what their day is, the expectations of the class, and all that stuff. So we're we're like the school is like so in in our area the middle school is like a giant place. Like, the high schools become a little smaller at when, when they get there. But the middle school, for some reason, is thousands and thousands of kids. So w- my wife and I are roaming through the halls. And we're like, you know, like a freshman on their first day in high school where you're lost and you can't get to your fucking classrooms or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that was us. We were like, like, the numbers didn't make sense. It's kind of like if you're not 
from there, you don't know how to do it. And so we're roaming the calls and shit, running into different classrooms. And finally, we, we find our first one. And um, and the teachers are glowing. Everything is so great. Yo, the technology, B? Like, it dawned on me then. I was like, they got Google Classroom. I don't even know. What, but it's kind of like a version of, like, Google Docs mm. to to an extent. So all, all the whole school is tied into it. And the kids are held accountable pretty well. So, like, if they're absent, all that shit is online. Every, every day the teachers are uploading all the content that they use in the classroom. So it's cool to see how easy it is for them to access the information that they need for the classrooms. And the the groups, the, they have them set up as teams. Like, it's, it's a really cool vibe. Like, it's, it made me think, like, yo, when we were growing up, the, the parent-teacher meeting was like, yo, either your kid sucks, these are the reasons why, or your kid's doing great, keep up the good work and, and keep it moving. Like, Man. this was a very... I don't remember. Any, I don't remember any, any of parent teacher. No, nah, I don't remember anything like trying to see if you know any kind of conversations I might have had with my mom about coming back from. Remember any of that stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it a long time ago. Yeah. Um, deviating for a sec, uh, we had that, or uh, one of our listeners who who um, wrote in. And I'm wondering if I'd be curious to hear what our guest has to say about this as well. So maybe we bring our guest in and we we talk about this. Yeah, let's let's do it. This topic. Cool. Yep. So today's guest is a good friend of mine. We go as far back as junior high, a.k.a. middle school. He's a Miami graffiti legend, a Miami hip hop pioneer. Shit, he's a global art legend, a musician himself. But for fatherhood, he's going to be the first father representing the Graph Riders, the Vandals, Overall visual artist, welcome to the fatherhoods, the legendary Trek Six. Yo, Trek, he just R. Kelly'd you over here, bro. <laughs> Just yeah, just sounded sounded like a faucet. Didn't sound like a fucking applause. You have big, you have big stream, DJ FN. That's what it sounded like—a piss. Yeah. Well, hey man, you get a you get a piss intro. Yo, wait a minute! I didn't know y'all knew each other since fucking middle school, man. That's that's a long time. We call it junior high. That's why I said middle school for people like you. Yeah, I used to call it. I used to call it junior high too. This shit fucked me up. Now, the year that we left to high school is the year that, at least down here, that they changed it to junior high. That they oh, shifted yep. grades. Got you. Yo, real quick, real quick, before before we get started with Trek, right? So for those that go to Miami, and I don't know what I think it's eight twenty six. Is that the expressway that the the boom boxes are? No, that's I-95. 995. Okay. You go down I-95, you head into the beach, right? And not then to the beach, really, but okay. I'm saying, I'm giving you my route, right? You're not heading to the beach in no way when you see that. Okay. Coromieda. In his mind, he's heading down to the, the beach. beach. <laughs> Downtown. All right? Happy, happy now? Okay. And, and then you see this iconic boombox painted on a building that overlooks the, the expressway. That is one of the pieces that uh, Mr. Trek is is famously known for. That's the so, everlasting bass, right? Yeah, everlasting yeah, bass. Uh, and the Bob Marley that's right behind it. Oh, Dumb yep. Being, that's right. 
So just trying to give the listeners like like this is not like you know a regular dude like this this is like real big shit that we talking about over here. Yo, I kind of oh, established oh. that in my intro. You just fucking trying to sun my intro right now? <laughs> you peed on the man, son. I had to put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, but Trek, welcome, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. <laughs> Trek, what up, man? So, Trek, for, for our listeners, um, when we have the guests, we, we want to know, you know, let the listeners know what's the fi- the family dynamic, like, you know, how many kids, what's going on at the home, like all of that. So we just break it down for our listeners. Well, I got two kids, two boys, a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, been married to my wife now for about uh, 10 years, going on 10 years now. Um, and we work at home, you know, she's, she, she co-manages pretty much everything I do. Um, and I'm a traveling dad. So, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot, a lot of, <laughs> you know, like having having to deal a lot with the different angles of learning how to, you know, function and make everything, you know, fall into place and be organized. And it's been a big learning curve, <laughs> huge learning curve. And full disclosure, uh, he also travels on, and he's a part of uh, the Coming Home films. Been a part of them yeah. since what? Vietnam, Vietnam, and uh, yep, Colombia, yep, and South Africa. Big, big integral, integral part of, of the Coming Home films. Um, before you, you jumped on, we were going to get into this topic, and, and I'll let Kay break it down, and we want to kind of get your take on it. Uh, it's actually from a listener that kind of posed the, the question to us. And So go ahead, Kay. Okay. Yeah, so we, had a li- we have a listener. His name is Joe, and um, he chimed in saying that he was wondering if we'd ever done or talked about depression uh, but from a dad's point of view, or if any of us have dealt with it, or we know people who who deal with it, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you know, we always hear a lot about postpartum, postpartum. depression on, on the mother's side, right. and, I'm, and I'm assuming right. that 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 maybe what he's talking about is postpartum from the dad side. I don't know if he's maybe mm-hmm. talking about depression overall, but also just um, you know talking, going to therapy, but from from a dad's perspective, yes. so. Um, wanted to get your take on that, um, uh, as well as everyone else here on the on the podcast. But yeah, let's start with you, man. Oh man, I mean, there's cause there's different angles to it. You know, my my wife, the first child, she had like a fleeting moment of postpartum. You know, just for like it was just like maybe two days. Man, it was like living hell. There's nothing that anybody did that that was right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it turned out that she was having problems with her thyroid uh, or something like that. And, they, they, you know, we live a very homeopathic lifestyle, you know, so most of the stuff we deal with when it comes to medication are herbs and things of that nature. And so she took some herbs. And uh, believe it or not, because uh, we also, you know, our kids were born at home, they reused the placenta. Mm. And so um, the placenta was saved. Once the child was, you know, was born and it was given to this lady who, you know, does a couple of things. But one of the things she does is she makes these um, the pills like uh, like pills. Yeah. Yeah. It dries them out. And, yeah. yeah. And she when, when when things were getting real bad, you know, in terms of like, you know, her emotion, she would just pop those in. And within a couple of days, everything leveled out. And that was really the only time I experienced that from her. Hmm. Um 
from me, you know, I don't think I went through like any sort of de- de- depressing state. I mean, I had my children, you know, start going into my forties. So it wasn't like I had this huge, like, you know, Oh my God, my life is so different. I won't be able to party or do this or do that or do anything. I was ready for it. You know, we were planning it. It was totally intentional. So I, I wasn't freaking out in any sense. So I didn't, you know, I didn't have any of those things, you know, those feelings. Um, so I didn't have any, like anything that would be, you know, like similar to, to a postpartum for me. Um, but, and this is, and this is going deeper, maybe into it. That I don't know if this is what the listener was asking about or not, but I, myself, I, I suffer from depression. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's been a very difficult thing because I've had to learn to isolate my feelings and my emotions. Um, when I'm dealing with my child, because you know, you 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 sometimes you know when you're de- when you're dealing with things like depression, sometimes these things can be uh, situations or feelings that are ballooned up in your in your mind. You know, that blowing blown way out of proportion. I guess you know, it gets amplified, right? Yeah, it gets yeah. super amplified. You know, and so you got to learn to identify those triggers and and bring it all down. You know, when you're dealing with a child, because you know, they don't understand any of that, you know, at all. Right. Um, and so, and so you, you become this hyper, I mean, for me, I became very hyper aware of it all and, and my composure around my, my boys and, and that type of thing. Um, but I don't think like, as far as, you know, <clears throat> a male version of, of, uh, <laughs> depression from the pregnancy, I don't think I ever went through anything like that. You know, I just went through my own normal everyday dealings with, with my condition and um but no you know and 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 to be honest it's actually helped quite a bit you know well having having uh, kids yeah having kids totally because when when i'm when i'm single or when i was like you know first just married with my, my wife um even though i'm married in the end the only life that's really responsible you know that i'm responsible for is me mm. You know, so my mind, you know, your mind went away with all kinds and all kinds of directions, both positive and negative, you know, but ultimately in the end, you know, you're just responsible for yourself. Your wife is a, you know, a grown woman. She can handle herself. You know, when I have kids, completely different thing. You know, here I am, like, I got these two little boys and I'm, it's my job, you know, to take them from, from child to, you know, to a grown man. And so, you know, it's been one of those things where it's really a fat to. <clears throat> learn how to buckle down and, and 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 really get into that role, like you know, focus up and and yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> take each, you know, take your moments, take your moments as they come, and and, and the rest of the time just be there for them full time. Because I'm also like I'm pretty much a full time dad in terms of like I'm always at home, you know, unless I'm traveling for work. So you know, he gets the benefit of having both his mom and dad always around. Hmm. You know, no matter what, we're always here. You know, there's the, when we work, we work at the house. When we play, unless I'm, you know, in some other country or something, they're with us. So, are you? Let me let, let me ask you. Sorry, let me. Yeah. Okay, let me ask Go you ahead. a question on this to all of you guys. What What would you consider? Like, how does someone even identify depression in themselves? Uh, 
man, it's it's tough because it's different in a lot of people, and there's different forms of depression that can manifest themselves in like infinite amount of ways. Because um, being in a bad mood it. isn't just depression. Oh. There. Right. No, 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 right. it's not, it's not, this is, this is something much more, more profound, you know, and, and, you know, for me, I'm a bipolar type too, so it's, it's not even depression, it's a physiological, um, issue in my brain that, that manifests itself even in a physical manner, so, you know, I, I don't produce a certain chemical that causes my brain to bounce up and down, you know. Mm. You've so been clinically not, diagnosed it, with this? Yeah, 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 since oh, I was 17. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, you know, this is, you, you have some limitations in control. And so a lot of people gravitate towards, you know, medicating themselves and stuff. But, um, but I think when you do that, at least for me, it dulled me down to the point that I couldn't identify when things were right, when things were wrong. And I didn't want to be in this, this in that cycle, you know, but mm -hmm. identification wise, you know, it's, it's really difficult. You know, I would say uh, some people are very extroverted. You know, and, and the way they resolve with their their issues of depression or self value or you know whatever the the root of it is is by going out all the time, right. you know, being super social. You know, there's more people that are more introverted. They stay at home and don't want to talk to anyone. You know, so it, it's it's a little different. You know, and, and I don't know. It's it's one of those things where you, you know you always just gotta keep your eye on the people you love. You know. <laughs> And just be there to listen to them and, you know, whatever it is, because you never know what they're going through. And you can't, you know, there's no, it's not like a scarlet letter. It's not like we're walking around like, this person's depressed, this person's depressed, you know? And so, I don't know if, like, everybody acts different. All it is is it's, if you know the person, they'll definitely be acting out of character. For for a, for an extended period of time, because like E said, like yeah, yeah, just being yeah, in a bad yeah. mood once in a blue doesn't necessarily no no mean no that's that. normal that's normal right that's normal people you know, everybody that, gets in a bad mood that's you know that's how it goes but hmm? it's actually so when, when we're talking about like um you know consistency like I I think I had a bout of depression for a short period of time and the re the way I was able to self identify it. Again, I didn't I didn't get clinically diagnosed, but I noticed a shift in my demeanor and my let's call it happiness, right? Like I, I noticed it take a dive for a period of time. And then I got to thinking, like, why do I like I noticed it? Like it was like a, a monkey on my back. And I was like, yo, this isn't me. Like, why you know, having my own conversation with myself. And yeah, one you know, after like a series of weeks, I'm like this isn't going away. This is not just a bad mood, period. Right. right? This is this is right. more going on. So I'm thinking about it, and I'm, and I'm really assessing every aspect of my life at that time. I'm like, all right. Are you what with kids at this time? You have no, children? No, kids. Okay, okay. No kids. It was actually my first marriage. Okay. So, and then, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like just dissecting every angle of, of my <clears throat> existence. And I'm like, okay, it's not work. You know, and I'm going through the list. And at the time, I was living in Tampa. So, you know, I was away from home, you know, New away from New York. So I'm like, is it, I miss my, is it like I'm homesick? Like, what is it? And I'm thinking through things and checking things off the list. And at the end of the day, I realized it was my partner at the time. Like, I felt like I was stuck with, with that person. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I would try to take two steps forward and she would try to take three steps back. 
And so I felt, and I'm not a person, I'm not one of those people that is comfortable with, um, you know, just, just being in a comfortable situation, if that makes any sense. Like I like to overachieve. I like to explore new things. I like to exceed expectation as much as I can. And if I'm, if I'm doing well, but it's just like, you know, uh, flatline type of situation, I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it was retarding progress significantly. So that to me was like, I'm wasting my life. That's how I envisioned it. I'm like, if there's no progress and all I see is regression, then I'm, my life is diminishing in value very quickly because you can't get time back. So that shit was like, that was ultimately what was like putting me in that dark place, right? So I was like, the only way I know how to react to that is like, I have to get rid of the thing that's causing me to feel that way. So that ended up... way to do it. That's a healthy thing to do. Right. I mean, at the end of at at the end of it, right, right, right. At the end of it, that's why that's why I don't like when I when I tell people this. I know that my experience wasn't as severe as a lot of other folks go through. Right. Right. Because for me, like I, I I don't not that I don't take it serious, but I didn't consider it that big of a deal, knowing. Mm-hmm. That people will go through ten times as worse situation than I did. Well, you you were also able to un- uncover what it was that was bringing yeah. you down, and I think a lot of folks right. they don't know what's bringing them down. It's just all right. of a sudden, you know, you're feeling a certain way. But but yeah. but getting getting back to the question that the listener asked, do we think that there is the equal? Male version of the postpartum depression. Well, I don't even know if they I was did, did the listener. I was. I just kind of in. I just kind of interpreted. <laughs> the, well, I mean, I would. I would feel that that they have to. I mean, maybe they they don't mean that, but I, I would imagine in context of fatherhood's podcast and the subject matter that we're talking <sighs> about, there has to be some correlation that they're trying to draw between you know family life and depression. I right. guess. I well, was, well, let me just jump in real quick with the 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 second part of the of. The question was going. Oh, geez, that's going to change the whole. No, thing. no, no, no. I, I said it already, but it was basically the it was basically the the therapy portion of okay. it. So, uh, I mean, Trek, when you're dealing with when you have bouts of depression or in the past, do you use therapy as a as as a means to alleviate what you're feeling? You know, it's funny. I did up at that point. I I stopped seeing all therapists. Wait, Hold on, wait, wait. wait. We, we, we lost you. you, you we lost signal. Oh, you, oh, just say it again. All right. That I, 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 I used therapy pretty much most of my life until I met my wife. Mm. And then after I met my wife, I immediately stopped seeing a therapist. Because um, she became kind of like your therapist or? No. Um, but it, it was just one of these things where, you know, for me, the, ther- the, the job of the therapist, depending on which one, because, you know, have some therapists that are psychologists and some that are psychiatrists and their goals are very different. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, to medicate you, you so. Know, yeah, one, one wants to medicate and the other one's there. You know, they're kind of like, listen. And when I met my wife, we just synced up, you know, in terms of like what we wanted to do in life, what our goals were, what we tried to achieve, everything that before... Um, that I was struggling to identify, you know, my issues became very easy to see, mm. you know, mm. and, and, and once they became easy to see then it was, it was easier for me to identify, you know, okay, I'm having this, this problem right now. 
we've had this problem before, you know, how did we get out of it before? How did we, you know, resolve before? What was, you know, the positive direction that I can take there? And so, you know, I stopped really using the therapist. I was able to have some sort of, you know, level of self-awareness, you know, that helped me um, deal with stuff. And then also the, the, there's there's like a, a safety net, at least in my life. She knows what I'm like when I'm, you know, uh, what they say is uh, cycling upwards or when I'm cycling downwards. Um, she knows when it's something that's not a big deal. She knows when it's something that's really a big deal to me. And mm-hmm. so when I see myself really struggling with something, like, you know, this is going in my head and not going away. This is going on, you know, days, weeks, whatever. Um, she'll be the one that I kind of look to like as a, as a compass or, or maybe um, like some sort of balance, you know, cause she'll let me know. She'll say, you know, Hey, you're, you're taking this way, you know, too hard or, or taking it there. You, you shouldn't you know, need to be there, you know, and I just have to trust that when she says that I need to immediately reprioritize my feelings and emotions. And so, yeah, therapy, I mean, I, I would imagine it's incredibly difficult um, for couples mm. uh, just because, you know, you're, you're having to be intimate with another person in terms of your feelings and emotions. And, you know, we're humans and we have egos, and I can imagine that, that can play out sometimes. But for me, the therapy part of my life only happened when I was in, in relationships that were not my, my wife. Mm. What? Know? What about so go just going back because I think it's interesting that that the fact that ha- having kids has you know made made your struggling with depression uh, I mean easier for lack of a better term it's just you know because you have the 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 kids to focus on when you when you're starting to you know feel not the greatest or you feel something's coming on or you know you go into a certain area and how do you and, and and you've got your kids around i mean how are you able to to switch it up i mean how i guess i know easy isn't the the right word but i mean how how are you yeah. able to, to 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 you know all of a sudden realize like all right I, you know i've got my my sons here how do i switch gears well you know with with all those years of therapy comes you know you learn a little bit while you're you know going through all that stuff right and um you, know, you pick up on coping mechanisms you know, and, and you also understand how triggers work, you know, and how triggers can be deceitful, mm. you know. And so... Do you give examples you know, of triggers, though, for anybody who doesn't know exactly what that Well, be? triggers could be things that just, you know, incite a, a reaction or an emotion. Um, and in case of, of a bipolar, triggers are things that could, could start a cycle, you know. And by, what I mean by cycling is bipolars tend to, you know, where one person... You have a mood, right? You have the way you are all the time. Um, bipolars, they're, they're, they swing from extremely happy to, you know, extremely, you know, depressed and stuff. And so, um, so yeah, you know, the so cyclings are, are, are something that needs to be understood. And coping mechanisms and, and, and all those things are things that you, you can use to identify your situation and get out of it. Right. You know, and, you know, when not taking things way out of proportion, like you realize, okay, wait, I've been cycling up this week, you know, I'm super happy, you know, and usually, you know, when you have people have depression and they have cycling, you know, they, they, they have cycling in an upwards fashion, um, they do things like they spend a lot of money, 
you know. And that's kind of a way of bearing, like, whatever their emotions are. They just go out, they spend a lot of money, they spend a lot of money. So when you identify, hey, you know, I'm having a bad week or whatever, why am I spending all this loot? You know, and you start realizing, wait a second, the reason I'm going out on Fridays and dropping all these dollars is to fulfill some sort of, you know, situations being caused by this depression. Mm. You identify, you know, one and the other, and you say to yourself, okay, well, you know, when I'm buying, when, I'm, when I have these urges to go out and spend money, that's a clue that something's not right. Wow. And you can start kind of like looking, looking in, inwards and saying, okay, you know, what's, what's different in my world? What's bothering me, you know? And look for what, which, which is serious and which is not. Because it could be something dumb, you know, like someone brushed you off the wrong way, you know, and you really expected more from that conversation. And it's just eating you up in the brain, you know, yeah. uh, occupying headspace. You know, it's not, not, it's not really important, you know. So by the time I, you know, feel all these feelings out and I get to my kids, at that point, I'm try- I've, I've removed things that are not important. You know, if there's something that's important, and, and by important, I'm like, you know, extremely important, you know, your health, your family's health, you know, things like that. You know, things that aren't, that aren't on that level of importance, they get put in the back for a little while. And that, and that and just happens phone, almost just, almost automatically as you oh, know you're approaching so your kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Right. I mean, and, and, and every, everybody's different. You know, I'm not speaking as this, this is, you know, the voice of everybody's deals with this type of thing. But for me, as soon as I see my kids, and there's days where I'm, there, I'm in the worst fucking mood ever, and I'm down, and I'm depressed, and, you know, my son's like, let's go swimming. And I'm like, I don't fucking want to go swimming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. I don't. I want to sit in front of my computer and watch YouTube. That's all I want to fucking do right now. <laughs> you know? But, but then I think, like, you know, as a kid, you know, my, my father, he provided... He wasn't there. Yeah. I don't know if that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and so, it does. So I, so I always had, you know, you know, they make sure that whatever, you know, what Cavaricis was a thing in Miami, I had Cavaricis, you know, like, even though they couldn't afford it, you know, because they weren't, they, we weren't a wealthy family by any means. We lived in, like, lower middle income projects. And so, you know, my dad was never there physically to hang out with me and explain to me things. So when I'm, when I come to my kid, it's like, my, my, one of my number one priorities is I'm with you, you know, like, like this time is for you. I don't, you know, I don't try to be on my phone or anything else. And even emotionally, I take that same stance. My time right now is for you, mm-hmm. you know? So anything that I'm going through, regardless of what it is, it's got to wait till 930 when everybody's in bed, you know, right. <laughs> and then I'll deal with that shit. You know, right now, my time is, is, is with him, you know, and, and that was my one-year-old. So, you know, and it's not, I don't think it's it's an easy thing for people who are dealing with any sort of, like, you know, depression-based issues or anything like that. And I don't think it's the typical way to go about doing it, um, but it's it's worked for me, mm. you know. Uh, I think I think that's pretty. I I think that's pretty profound. I I I think it might be helping Joe actually, um, because, and and what what you guys have talked about and the way I think he interpreted it is kind of like the male version of of uh, uh, postpartum. Um, But but like hearing it, so it's funny because we we didn't plan we didn't plan to have you 
because of a depression angle. It just so happens that you actually experience it, which is kind of weird. But I think you've you've provided some some guidance here un- unknowingly, I think, to a large extent. Because I'm even I'm listening to you and, and I don't feel like I have any of these issues anymore. But if I did, I can totally see myself kind of doing some of the things that you just described where I encounter my kids and now I make sure I push that to the side and give them my all and intentionally do so because of some of the experiences that you just described with your own upbringing. That's a use more important than anything. Anything. I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm a dad. I mean, now my five-year-old's, you know, in school, but you know, I didn't put him into school until pre K four. So he was kind of homeschooled slightly really intelligent kid. Um, but I'm home all the time, you know? And so it's like, man, you know, I gotta, I really need to make the most of this, um, this time that I have with him, you know? So really rarely am I ever around him and and occupied with something else, you know, when, when I'm with him, I'm a hundred percent with him. So he knows he's got my attention. If there's anything that he needs from me, I got, I got you, you know? Hmm. I don't want him to feel, you know, otherwise. Yeah, it's almost. Mm-hmm. Now I was just gonna say it's almost like if you um, if you are paying attention to it, mm-hmm. having having kids can help bring you to the present moment. If you're paying attention yeah. to, like like you say, wanting to be spend time with them and be present with be them, present, yeah. um, because it's you know wh- whether you're struggling with depression or you're creating scenarios in your head or you're just caught up thinking yeah. about other stuff if you actually think about you know the, your kid is there with you right now then it 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 brings you into that present moment and pushes all the other stuff away if if you if you allow yourself to to go that route and i would imagine it, it could also sometimes be the opposite of that though because be being a, a loving parent in our case loving fathers you might actually look at your kid and even get more depressed thinking things that you know future things like oh my god financially how am i going to make sure that i take care of this innocent being you know like how am i going to do this i'm going to do that and that could actually make things worse in your mind so i don't think it's as easy you know like you said everybody's different i'm sure there's people that struggle with pushing everything aside and just being present in the moment because they might be bombarded with all these you know thoughts of negativity even looking at their child because they care so much. Well, if, some, like, if someone's thinking like, you know, yeah, if someone's thinking like that, what you just described, they're probably thinking everything is like that all the time. They're just projecting, you know, scenarios of worry all the time. And so, right. you know, having a kid just adds on to that same mode of thinking. Right. Like, like, I mean, I don't think that I suffer from that necessarily too bad. <laughs> Um, but I, I feel like I think they call it running thoughts. I don't know if that's the legitimate um, name. For it. Yeah. But um, but I could definitely like think of a million scenarios, a million things all in one shot. You know, yeah. and at the same time, think about World War Three and fucking, you know, <laughs> hunger in Africa down to to my plumbing is fucked up down to I got to I got to take out the garbage. Like all of that can come down at one time in my brain. And so I could understand someone who wants to put aside everything and just be in the moment, sometimes having a struggle with that as well, you know? Yeah, totally. Trey, I I got a question. So you mentioned in the open, um, 
how how you subscribe to a homeopathic lifestyle. I'm yeah. I'm curious how that applies to the upbringing of your kids and just generally how you guys oh. educate educate I mean, your your family. It's 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 tough. It's it because I I wasn't raised that way. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents were typical Puerto Ricans, and you know, every cough was dealt with Robitussin, and every injury was you know get that tussin. You know, Robitussin. Ibaporu. You know, I I wasn't raised with you know organic or any of those things at all, and. Mm-hmm. Other than a, you know, a couple of years that I was vegan in, in my early twenties, I, I didn't really, you know, it's not, it wasn't my lifestyle. But when I met my wife, she's all about it. And so it's just been, well, on the kids' side of things, it's really difficult um, because a lot of politics play play into it. Um, people, I don't know if it's what's going on, but just it just seems like nobody is willing to respect other people's, uh, you know, boundaries and space. And so when it comes down to being homeopathic, you can look down upon quite a bit as if you're not really doing the most for your kids when they're sick or, you know, you you know, how can you treat your kids this way? Can't you see they need, you know, antibiotics or you know, this and that? And having to defend that against family sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, can be very difficult. You know, my mom is an educator and her specialty is early childhood development and research. You know, wow. and so you know, here I am telling my mom. You know, she's like, "Yo, he's got a fever. You got to take him to the hospital." I'm like, "No." You know, day two, he's got a fever. Got to take him to the hospital. No, I don't think you're understanding. That's a healthy thing. Your mm-hmm. body, you know, the fever. The fever is a sign that your body is effectively attacking the issue. You remove that, and you remove the one of the body's ways of dealing. You know, with what's going on. You know, and so I have to defend these positions left and right. And it could be something as silly as, you know, um, using Arnica on a on a bruise as opposed to, I don't know, whatever the brand is now, the spray that they put on scrapes or whatever. It could be something so minute as that. It could be something as large as, like, you know, a topic like vaccination, you know. And so and these are things that are, you know, especially the vaccine topic is like incredibly, you know, sensitive. Yeah, that's loaded. You know, you know people can't deal with that subject in, a, in, a, um, in an adult manner, you know. How, how did you guys, how did you, because you have a one-year-old now, so that's probably the yeah. more recent in memory, um, through yeah. the vaccination process, like how do you guys address that? Uh, well, the thing is this, I mean, and, and this is a podcast, so I could just say it out there, whoever has a yeah. problem with the legislators. Um, we don't vaccinate our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my personal, I guess, experience as to the whys and when, um, it has to do with I have a younger brother that passed away when I was young, and it was due to a medication that we were actually both taking. Um, and he developed uh, an aneurysm. and. Wow. This was a this was a, a federally approved uh, drug that was sure. for kids who had asthma, and so from then, I, you know, and you can imagine why, an incredible distrust for what the government says is, you know, hazardous or what the limit, legal limitations are for certain you know chemicals within the human anatomy. And so when I met my wife, and you know we had kids and we discussed you know are we going to vaccinate or not. Um, I, I chose to take the risk and, and not vaccinate. 
Uh, I do believe vaccinations work. I'm not, it's, my issue isn't, you know, against the efficiency of the vaccination. My issue this doesn't does have to do with, with autism. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't yet to see a, 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 you know, a link. My wife might argue this to death with me, but me personally, <laughs> I have not seen the, the science that says that that, you know, is key. But what I don't agree with is the amount of things that are put into these yeah. vaccinations as a child at such an early age. I agree. And I'm not a doctor, but just, man, I don't know, instinctively something tells me, like, that's just way too much, you know. And, and when we were young, the amount that we got was, you know, incredibly much less than what kids are getting nowadays. Mm. So it's not that they don't work, but um, I don't, you know, I don't trust getting my kid's body at this age, you know. And then so the argument that I always get was, you know, well, you know, what happens if, if your child develops a disease, you know, and, and he dies? Mm-hmm. You know? And so for me, the way I looked at it is, well, my, my brother passed away from taking a medication, you know, that was approved. You know, I, I know exactly what it, what it feels like to lose somebody because of a medical decision that was done incorrectly. Mm-hmm. You know, very profound feeling of what, that, what that's like. So if in my own heart I can say to myself, look, I'm okay with this decision for my child, then that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, because I really, I, you know, I, I know exactly what I'm saying when I say I understand the risk. You know? That's, that's heavy. But, yeah, no, and, and, that's, and that's the only reason why. Again, I, I support the science. I think that, that, that they are effective. I'm not saying they're not effective. You know, and I'm not saying that, that this causes this or it does that. I just the cocktail's way too big, you know. Yeah. These little kids, are, their immune systems are just starting to, you know, develop. Awesome, you know. And we're gonna start putting all this stuff in, and you know, yes, I'm sure that they've done the tests that say it doesn't cause this, it doesn't cause that, you know, it do all these things. But man, I still can't help but think that like, that's a lot of junk pumping into this. Yeah, and it's kind of Russian roulette because every yeah. anatomy is different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, when I say homeopathic lifestyle, you know, things could be as, as a topic like that all the way down to, you know, something as dumb as, you know, what do you put on a kid's scrape, you know, but I have to defend it constantly, you know, constantly. Yeah. Yeah, because it's... Family, it's... To the school system, to the government, everybody's got to have a reason as to why I chose not to, you know, use these products, you know, for my family. But make sure your kids are wearing an asavache. <laughs> Ay, bendito, nene. That my deal was steady, bro. Facts. Yo, Trek, you got you got any new pieces coming out that people should be looking out for? Like, what what are you what are you doing man. these days? Man, right now, um, I just finished up South Africa with E. Yeah. And so yeah, so right now I'm probably gonna start soon getting to work on the poster <laughs> design, you know, some of the lower thirds to help out, you know, with the documentary. And um, I'm actually kind of like out of commission until January. I have a search on my spine next next Thursday. Oh damn! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. Um, when we went to Africa, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know exactly, you know, how wrong it was, and then. I got back home and went to, a, to go see a surgeon. And he's like, yeah, you need, you need surgery. <laughs> you know, you need it now. 
And so, um, you know, I've been trying to see everybody else. And, you know, I've been for a year now struggling with this issue and just kind of like going to rolfers and chiropractors and acupuncture, and, you know, wearing tin hats on my head, you know, like whatever I do to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, as soon as it goes away. Um, but it, it just hasn't, you know. And, and after talking with the surgeon, it's kind of like one of these things that if I don't deal with it, I'm going to lose my right arm. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's taking a nerve on my right arm and, and right arm is like yeah, really functionality. That. So, yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's not even. So a, wait, so, know, so a question. You know. So post post surgery, no uh, no no medication. Yeah, I usually don't. Um, okay, I might like the first two, uh, you know, just right after you get out of surgery, maybe the first day or two, three maximum. You know, from a surgery. Um, then after that, I stop my stuff. You know, unless there's something specific that, you know, like if there's something they're giving me to prevent, uh, to present, like uh, keep it from a blood clot happening or something like that. Gotcha. It's part. It's part of the recovery. You know, you need to take something like that. But that's understandable. You know, you gotta do that. But you know, painkillers, for instance, I don't really, really do painkillers. Yes. Yeah. Not for nothing. I've had like minor surgeries and stuff, and like I don't, I don't do the painkiller thing with them. Well, like, good hey, luck, brother. Yeah, and and next time we have you on, we got to talk. I wanted to talk about it, but we the depression took us off rails. But uh, I want to talk about more about just the graph world and 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 how it correlates to family life. I'm interested to. So, so we're gonna leave that for the next time. We'll that do, holds we'll do you a to back on fatherhood. Hmm. But yeah, where, where could people uh, see some of your work on social media, etc. Before we get out of here? Oh yeah, well on uh, Insta, Trek Six Terry K number six, and then you know the webpage treksick.com or um, right now most of my works are being shown at a gallery uh, in LNS. Out of Miami, Miami, and Coral Gables area, and uh, uh, most of my work will be shown there. Awesome, bro! Good man, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, brother. Uh, thank you. Guys. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. it. And we'll have round two soon before before surgery. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes, yes. Peace. Be, be a fun one. Take care, right, brother. Take it easy, man. Take it easy. Later.